Another day, another win for the Phoenix Suns as they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers by a score of 113 to 1. Oh, no, 119 to 113. I'm sorry. Suns win by six points over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, very fun game to watch. Really uh, kind of a rough one, Matthew, considering how many guys for the Phoenix Suns were actually out. Yeah, it was rough, but. Um... A lot of us probably predicted a, a loss tonight, right, for the Suns. And, it, I mean, if it happened, it happened oh well. But uh, they came out fighting, dude. It was a whole team effort. A lot of minutes played by the starters. They had to do what they had to do to get this win. Very good Cavs team. Very fun to watch. So I'm I'm excited to watch them more in the future, of course. But you can see my dirty laundry in the background. John, did you put away the chocolate strawberries on your honeymoon just to do this podcast today? <laughs> well, one, uh, no honeymoon. Just up watching a friend's house in Sedona. Yeah. And two, somehow, some way, I had the ability to watch part of the game. Uh, it's very interesting driving around Sedona at nighttime because it's completely dark. It's so dark here. And I went to go get some pizza because we drove up here late today and didn't mm-hmm. really have any food prepared. Uh, we got to go to the grocery store tomorrow. Uh-oh. And so I went and I got some pizza. And as I was driving, I was listening to the game on the radio, got some pizza, drove back. Thank God for Chromecast, cast the, the game to the TV, saw the second half. So I do know a little bit of what went on between the Suns and the Cavs. Obviously, I'll probably rely on you a little bit more, seeing as, that. <laughs> seeing as you wrote the recap piece for brightsideofthesun.com. So if you're watching along with us, make sure that you stop by Brightside and you read Matthew's recap. I'm sure it is a, a, an invigorating read, right, Matthew? It's all right. You know, um, I do my best word for word. I really take my time and study the game as much as I can, but I don't remember the first half. So we might just have to do the second half. <laughs> <I'll> just, <Okay. laughs> I will do my best, John. <laughs> okay. Well, and I will do my best again. I'm, I'm out in the boondocks in Sedona. So if my connection drops midway through, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew, you're going to have to well, ride this thing solo. And you're just going to have to just log off. I don't know what you're going to do. But a uh, lot to talk about as the Suns are now 14-9 and nine on the season and holding strong at the number four seed in the Western Conference. Uh, if you are watching along live with us, we truly appreciate it. Make mm-hmm. sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you're on YouTube, smash that thumbs up button. We appreciate it. Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube as well. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. Fantastic. All right, Matthew. I'm up here. I'm in the boondocks. I'm in Sedona. I have a truly strawberry lemonade. Okay. That's Look what I'm that. drinking tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll take so, that home, baby. So, uh, pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Ooh, always good to drink after another win. So, cheers. Let's yes. talk. Let's talk, Suns, baby. So the Phoenix Suns are playing the second game in two games. One day after beating the Boston Celtics, they play the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that is pesky for sure. They entered yeah. this game with a 10 and 14 record. A lot of people didn't expect them to play as hard as they have up to this point of the season. Mm-hmm. They're a team that was in a part of the Harden trade and ended up getting Jared Allen out of the deal. A lot of people question why, seeing as yeah. you have JaVale McGee, you have Andre Drummond, you have Kevin Love, who's not currently playing. I mean, they have all these huge mm-hmm. mammoth human beings, and they add another one with Jared Allen, and this is what you get. You get a tough, pesky team that can just kind of annoy people, and even though the Suns had multiple people out tonight, you knew it was going to be an annoying game, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Cavs basically come into this game. They're they're thinking they can beat the Suns. The Suns, of course, without Chris Paul, another way to beat them. And plus, the Cavs are up and coming. They want to show every team in the NBA that they have it. They can beat the teams like the Phoenix Suns, even if they're shorthanded. In a season where it doesn't really matter because every team is shorthanded. So if a team's shorthanded, it's not really an excuse. It's basically like you know you have to go out there and uh, own your business, basically. And that's what the Suns did. But the the Cavs hang on. They hung around. Excuse me. Suns, I think, only had a seven point lead, Max, in the first half. And but the Cavs kept pushing it back, kept pushing the tempo, going in the paint. 
Sexland was unstoppable from the beginning till the end. They could not contain him. Mikhail Bridges could not contain him. Uh, Cameron Johnson could not contain him. But luckily, we have Devin Booker. And uh, that was really the reason for us winning this game because he was able to end the game for us basically with his best game of the season so far. Not the 40-point burger we wanted, but he got 36. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely came out and just said, you know what? No Chris Paul this game. I'm going to have to control the pace. I'm going to have to control the scoring. I'm going to have to lead the way for this young Suns team. And I think he did a really fantastic job doing that. He started the first half, the first quarter, 7 for 10 from the field for 17 points. Yes. And the largest lead for the Suns in the first half was actually 12, Matthew. 12 points. Told you I was not paying attention. And and I think that that, (laughs) it was very interesting to see how he put them on his back in the first quarter and said, okay, listen, I'm going to go to the bench right now. I'm going to take some time off. You guys just kind of hold it down. And the Suns, for the most part did. I mean, the bench played very well. This, this was a game where you needed everybody who started and everybody, just everybody who played to step up. And as Luis uh, says in the chat, he says the Suns depth was key today. More Carter Kaminsky were key to keep us in this uh, for book book to close it book can't close this game without the efforts of those other individual players Etwan Moore getting the yeah. start Frank Kaminsky getting the start like if you told me January 1st so oh, not too long ago Here a month go. and seven days ago if you told me that Frank Kaminsky and Devin Booker or I'm sorry Frank Kaminsky and Etwan Moore were going to start yeah. for the Suns I would have told you an instant L right yeah, maybe. I mean, you still have the confidence from uh, Chris Paul on the bench. You know, that helps a lot. But yeah, you're right, because this is basically like the Suns in the past few seasons, where it's just Booker and Aiton, and then you have to put up with the rest of the roster and try to get things going. And there were a lot of these games were close in the past. But you have Frank Kaminsky, man. This guy's actually putting up those small triple doubles out there. Not quite reaching the triple double, but they're almost there. They're sneaky, almost there. And he's doing it like again and again and again, finding the passes like they did last game, where they were just cutting to the rim. Everybody was getting to the rim. Everybody was trying to get to the rim, even on the Cavs side. But you can, um, dude, Frank Kaminsky with his moves he had today were just insane. I don't like, I think that's the reason JaVel McGee got in a fight with him because of that spin move he put on him with the layup. That is the reason it's the whole thing started where he got kicked out for fighting. So if he can continue that for the Suns, it's marvelous. But yeah, January 1st, if you were to tell me that, I'd be like, oh, great. Are we really going to podcast this season then? That's what I would have told you. That's what I would have responded to you, dude. <laughs> and I would have responded to you, Matthew. I would have been like, same old sons. Somehow, yeah, some exactly. way, like everybody's yeah. hurt. We're going to be losing a shit ton of games, and it's all over. Mm-hmm. Not only did each one more Frank Kaminsky start, the Suns win with their efforts. Frank Kaminsky getting under people's skin. I mean, who would have saw the progression from Frank that we're currently seeing? I, I didn't see it coming. I know that when yeah. we let him go in this offseason to make room for other players, uh, it, it's a little upsetting because you like the guy. I mean, he's not somebody who was a, a son's favorite necessarily due to his play, but his personality was definitely top five on, on the Suns. He goes yep. to Sacramento. He runs into issues there to where he, you know, he doesn't get out of preseason camp with them. He comes back to Phoenix. We actually started here on the podcast, you know, hashtag bring back Frank. And the next day they did. So you're welcome, Suns. You're welcome. It was the Jamsters, not just us. It was the Jamsters Mm -hmm. in the chat who were feeding uh, Monty Williams and James Jones, letting them know, like, hey, bring Frank back. He comes back. He's given opportunity and he's done great things with that opportunity. Now, granted, in this game, his second half wasn't nearly as effective as his first half. His, sec- his first half, he had seven points, five rebounds, and four assists, and only one foul. You look mm-hmm. at his second half, he only had two points, two assists, and four fouls. But he did get under JaVale McGee's skin, who was hitting like three-pointers tonight. I didn't even know that was in his game. He had a three. I was like, whoa, what the hell? JaVale McGee's dropping threes. But Frank Kaminsky got under his skin and got him ejected in the game. And I feel like that was kind of a, a big moment for the Suns because – that took one of the three big guys that they have. It took him out of the equation. So there were lineups that they had to run the remainder of the game that didn't have those big men in there. Yeah, and it's great to have the crowd back in there too because when it happens, you have the chance of Frank the Tank echoing in the arena. So that's exactly what the Suns need as a franchise. It's Frank starting a fight, or I don't know if he started it because he really didn't see much of it. It was just a pushing fight and getting him ejected. So that was fantastic. But Frank's 
the reason that Frank is doing so well, I really think, is he's not taking those errant threes where last season where he would just shoot the three. No matter where he was on the court, no matter who was in his face, he would just jack him up there. Now he's looking for the for the other player, the other guy that's open, his teammates that are cutting to the rim, but also just getting to the rim as well himself. He, mm-hmm. he won't force anything at all. And that's why I think Cam Johnson's learning from him too as well. I'm not saying they play the same kind of game at all. I mean, they, they really don't. Oh, maybe they actually kind of do Cam Johnson and Frank Kaminsky shoot threes, take the ball to the rim. Yeah, I guess they they're the same player. I'm totally <laughs> joking there, actually. And uh, I I think he's been a lot to the team more than just the bench guys. So we've seen that on the court, and I don't see it ever really slowing down, really, because when we get these players back, especially Sarich and Jay Crowder. We know he's going to have his minutes dwindle down a little bit, but that's fine. I think he's going to be okay with that, and Suns fans will too as well. Yeah, he's doing what he needs to do right now to survive this stretch without Sarich, without campaign, without all these key players, without Nader playing tonight. So anytime your number is called, you have to have the ability to go out and provide a quality performance, and Frank once again did that. I think what's really key with Frank is what you mentioned. His gravity this year is completely different than last year. Last year, it was like, I'm just even when he was playing the five, it was, I'm just going to hang out by the three-point line and maybe roam out there, and when you, when the yeah. ball comes my way, I'll shoot it. He's playing more of a big four right now. He's getting down in the paint. He's put. He's doing back screens and opening up his fellow teammates, and when he does drift out to the three-point line, he's looking to pass first, and then he'll shoot the three-pointer. He's not necessarily yeah. jacking up a million threes. He only had one three-point attempt tonight, and it was good. That's what you want to see from Frank. Exactly. It was those frustrating two-for-seven three-point performances last year that really kind of dwindled our admiration for his game because he started off the the year great shooting from three when uh aaron baines and deandre ayton both were out last season he provided minutes they weren't necessarily quality but there were some games especially against charlotte the charlotte hornets his former team if i remember correctly where he kind of put it all together and played below the key when he starts to play below the key it opens up a lot of uh his game and again we're talking about the one starter who, for the second game in a row, didn't score in double digits, but that's the, how much the Frank Kaminsky effect has been on the Suns. It's equated to wins ever since Monty's put him in the starting lineup, and that's very valuable. It really is. And you also saw with the Suns tonight just the movement of the ball and just the pace, too. Without Chris Paul there, it was a really free-for-all. And I think they played very well. There was really good – I feel like there was a good connection between the offense, the starters, even when the bench would come in there, even though we had most of the bench in the starting unit. But they would just play well together, and they seemed to push the ball. More fast breaks, it seemed like um, – I just, I like that offense kind of, you know, everyone was just sharing it. Everyone was touching it. And that's what I love to see, especially when you're going to have each one more start at the point guard position, but you know, it's going to be a point book game. And I mean, boy, Booker, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about him now, but he just basically got his shot going and he he went through the second quarter not scoring a point. And I feel like he does it every game, right, where he just doesn't score a point in the second quarter, but he will continue to get a shot up if he wants, but also get the offensive involved. And towards the end of the game, he didn't make big mistakes. He really didn't. And that's the thing, Booker, in the past where he would be that guy to make the big mistakes. But I don't always want 36 points, of course. I just want this booker that's a winning basketball book. He just had to score a little extra tonight to get the win. Well, I like efficient booker. I've always been a a big fan of efficient booker. And that's what he was, like like I said, in that first quarter, 17 points on 7 of 10 shooting. That's how you do it. The second quarter was him trying to be a little bit more of the the uh, the playmaker. That's what he had to be with Chris Paul being out. So that's what he did. And like you said, he wasn't necessarily making a lot of mistakes, not only at the end of the game, but in the second quarter when he kind of put the team on his back. Now, granted, he ended the game with a total of four turnovers, but when he's your primary ball handler, I'm okay with the four turnovers. Uh, they weren't dumb turnovers. It wasn't dribbling it off his foot or, anything, or throwing it out of bounds to nobody who's standing there. None of those minutes. But, you know, 36 points from Devin Booker, the uh, top scoring performance of his uh, season so far, yeah, 14 for 27, but five for nine from downtown. And that's what I like to see. Devin Booker needs to take those three pointers. He typically will end his stat line with one of three or two of three. You know, if he shoots five, you're really excited. He shot nine because that's what the Cleveland Cavaliers were kind of giving him. He stepped away from the mid-range and said, okay, I'll shoot these out here. And he was making them, including that four-point play, which I think was absolutely big. Uh, Finished with 36 points, eight eight assists, five rebounds. Uh, A quality night by Devin Booker. 
great to see him, like you said, in the last five minutes of the game, allow his teammates to play, not not take over in the Booker ball sense that we used to see about a year, especially two years ago. The old Booker ball listens. There's three minutes left. This game's close. Yeah. I'm going to take all the shots, and I'm, the defense knows it. As the defense rotated around and tried to guard him in those last few minutes, guess what? Other members of the team got the ball and they had the opportunity to step up. And, you know, including Cam Johnson, who finally hit a three, and it was a huge three. I mean, the his growth in that area is something mm-hmm. that should be commended and something that I I will sit here and applaud. Beautiful. Good, Little good on you, class. Buck. We love that. And uh, my screen's turning yellow and all this stuff. I don't know what's going on. But there is something that I watched tonight where Kevin O'Connor released his, like, his – power rankings basically and he had something on Kawhi, and he was showing Kawhi how he just draws everybody in and these sick passes Kawhi can make to the open player or the, his open teammate and i'm not saying booker's there yet but that is something that i want book to kind of become it's just that guy that goes down into the paint into mid-range where everyone knows anywhere in that area as a defender book can score from there so if he can just draw he will draw the defenders but just making those passes it's like the next step, those really good passes where you might think he's going one way, but he goes the other way. And he just needs his teammates to knock him down, of course. And they did tonight. Cam Johnson hit some big threes tonight. And it was it was very well earned, dude. Kind of an off night for him. But he was it wasn't ugly though. He just missed his first, I think, first six threes six, or so. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like it it does suck, but you can just see that he got it going in the second half. So all is excused after that because, I mean, he's going to have his off nights. He's like we said in the beginning of the season, he's not going to be consistent from the three-point line every game. So it's it's fine to see once in a while. Yes, sir. And I kudos to the everyone who's watching along in the chat. A uh, lot of Kobe comparisons. You got Ross Rogers. Fourth quarter book was Mamba mode. Uh, yeah. Kenneth Payne says that. Book was like Kobe tonight, and I think you know it was really the the turnaround jumper that he hit from a, probably about 15 feet that looked just like patented Kobe Bryant. But it was absolutely yeah. it, it felt like Mamba mode out there. He just he was being legendary, and he said, "I will not let this team lose." Because guess what? When you are outmanned the way that the Suns were tonight, it's there, there's plenty of opportunity to lose a game like this, and we know that CP3 is not playing. That's big. Uh, Jay Crowder's out. Sarge is out. Nader's out. Campaign's out. Jer- Jalen Smith didn't play. I mean, it's just down the down the the roster and the yeah. lineup card. You just see a bunch of DNPs. The Suns played a nine man rotation tonight, uh, whereas uh, it was a ten man rotation for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they just kept throwing guys at you. And you know what? So the the Suns really led by Devin Booker pulled this one out and and closed it out which was just it was fun it's fun to watch those games knowing that you have D book and it was like last night and, and and multiple times this season when Chris Paul's there you know that you have two closers and we're 14 and 9 now because of that yeah because we have those guys you're right and it's kind of fun too if you go to the other side and you're watching Sexland perform and you're just like, this is uh, going to be a dynamic duo, dude. They were just unstoppable. So yeah. it's good to have that we have our duo. But it's just fun to see a team out east like the the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have been terrible for a while since LeBron left, of course. Now they have something there. And I just like it how every team has something to watch. Like, I wish I could watch more of their games because those guys are just unstoppable. Like, I don't know what they can or cannot do on the court they can shoot from anywhere they have the floaters garland has yeah you love those floaters i saw those like three or four times tonight i'm like matthew's loving this yeah i mean it's it's perfect because you have da under the hoop who's just ready to try to get the the board the rebound trying to prevent the offensive rebound so just throw that little teardrop over them and that's that's the way they play and I, i i'm very very happy to see the Cavs in this kind of situation right now as Mook Allen says in the chat, they are super fast. They are uh, up and down, right? Up and down. I mean, is Colin Sexton pretty much a right-handed version of De'Aaron Fox? Oh, you know what I put actually in the, the game recap? I put he's a Eric Bledsoe, but very, very good body language. Like a very upright Eric Bledsoe and a guy you can root for. 
even because I, I think he was compared to him too coming out of the draft, but you can kind of see it. But I think he is better than Bledsoe, though, honestly, because I never really liked Bledsoe that much until I, before when I really liked him and I just wanted to get the other two point guards out of Phoenix, I really liked Bledsoe then. <laughs> and as Chris, J, as Chris J says, Frank Garland get to the rack whenever. Both him, both Garland and Sexton pretty much had yes. their day getting to the rack. And I was actually really surprised in the last, what, two or three minutes of the game when they called that offensive foul on Sexton because he hooked under Cam Johnson's arm and kind of held on to him because he was going by Johnson and Bridges at will. And and those, you know, as much as we love Mikael Bridges, and kudos to him tonight, 22 points, 5 assists, 8 for 10 shooting for Mikael. Monster offensive night for him. Uh, but defensively, those are the guys that give Mikael a little bit of trouble. The the guys who are, ex- are extremely quick twitch and have the ability to stop and go on a dime uh, although he has that length, he doesn't necessarily have the lateral movement to stop somebody, obviously, with elite speed. These are elite speed guys that can beat Mikhail. It's I not know. very many people that can beat Mikhail, but he, these are the kind of guys who can do it. De'Aaron Fox is somebody else who can do it, and that's why I was thinking when I saw Colin Sexton go to the rim at will and whenever uh, Darius Garland got switched onto Bridges and he'd go by him, I was like, these guys remind me of De'Aaron Fox just with their speed. I mean, even with – Mikhail's long arms, the long arm of the Mikhail law. Uh, he can't necessarily stop them with his lateral quickness. Yeah, that's when you know you're a very good player in the NBA when you can get got by a guy like that. Excuse me. Having trouble speaking tonight, like always. And if you go past Mikhail Bridges and then you also got Cam Johnson to blow past those guys with your first move, it's it's crazy. I was I almost threw my hat at the TV. I'm like, stop this guy. I haven't been that upset watching Mikhail play defense in a long time. But you just know that that guy is just that great. And sometimes just the great offense is better than their better defense, but are yep. the best defense you have on the court. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you look at Cam Johnson. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, some of our jamsters are talking about it in the chat. Cam almost hurt himself on that dunk. He slammed it into his own face. That oh, dunk yeah, was yeah. a great take by him. I, I love seeing those opportunities because it, it happens more than I think uh, that he realizes is when he gets the ball that sometimes the Red Sea just parts wide open for him and he can take it because they're expecting him to shoot the three. So if somebody's closing on him from the weak side, he can just take it in. It was it was great to see him uh, play in that capacity. I mean, he got a lot of minutes, unfortunately, for uh, the Suns in the second half because Kaminsky kept getting in foul trouble, man. Uh, a couple of the Jamsters are mentioning it too. Viking says it. You know, refs were ass tonight. Uh, you know, I mean, I... I, I hate those games where I feel like the refs are getting pesky and you know, the JaVale McKee call went in our favor, but instantly right after that, Jaron Allen went up for a layup and no one touched him. He was just fading away and they called a foul. And I was like, Oh great. Here we go again. One of these games where we're playing against a team that is uh, inferior overall, but having a, you know, the night of their life. Uh, I mean, both teams were essentially the first half, the sun shot 60% from the field while yeah. the Cleveland Cavaliers shot 56%. Uh, but the sun's at the end of the day, got called with a total of 20,000. So did the the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I feel like everything kind of evened itself out in the end. But did you did you feel at one point it was starting to become a game that was in the hands of the referees? You know, there was a time a little bit, and I feel like, of course, we have to begin kind of with this, with Booker not getting calls. There were so many calls yeah. that he should have got. And God forbid I mentioned the guy's name, but you know who, I even saw it in a tweet, would get those calls, throwing his body into defenders that were trying to block his shot from the three-point line, and Book was not getting the calls. And even in the in, with him driving to the basket, there were a couple times too as well. I just I don't know what to do with the refs and stuff with the Suns still because this is still a question after this game. Of course, we're already uh, more than a quarter away into the season. You think it would like even out a little bit, but it hasn't. And it's not like it almost cost the Suns, but it's just something that we always have to worry about as Suns fans going into every game, especially with Booker still not getting the respect he deserves. Yeah, there was at one point Darius Garland got a call, and it was on Devin Booker, and like the next. <laughs> take down Devin Booker went up and was fouled yes. and they didn't call it. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, this guy's an all-star. He's a, he's a perennial great player in this league. He's an elite scorer. He doesn't get the call yet. Darius Garland gets a call and it's just, it's tic-tac stuff. I'm not saying blatant. I'm saying tic-tac stuff, but you know, either, either be consistent or don't. And the guy you're referencing good old Luka Doncic over there, he gets those calls walking into the arena. I don't know why Devin mm-hmm. Booker can't get those calls. 
And I'll consistently talk about it on this podcast because I'm a Suns fan and it frustrates me, as I'm sure it frustrates other people. Where Devin Booker, he does he create contact? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, if you look consistently across the NBA, whenever I'm watching other games and I'm seeing how other superstars perform, even stars, even you know mid-level guys, they get those calls. And I just don't know what it is about Devin Booker. I think it's because he's kind of chirpy with the refs. He's not very respectful of them. He's not chummy with them. He's oh, He always has that scowl on his face. And from a human element, I don't think that the referees want to reward him at any point ever unless it's blatant, and unfortunately it works against him. He could average like three more free throws a game if he just smiled at the refs a little bit more. You think so? I don't know. That's really tough to say because I feel like a lot of players like Doncic, they're big crybabies all the time. So it's I mean, different though. When Don, when Doncic does it, it's more of a whiny, like a little that's baby more annoying crying. Though, right? But I, I would rather Booker does it aggressively. He's looking at you like, "Hey, asshole, call that shit." Instead of being like, "But why didn't you call it?" It's a yeah, like in a conversation. But in a man kind of way, instead of being a baby about it, if if you're putting it with a baby, I feel like that's more annoying, dude. That's why a lot of people leave their kids because they're just fucking annoying. It's just stupid. Oh, Matthew, what am I going to do with you? What am I going to do with you? Well, I'll tell you what. Strawberries. I I tell you what we're going to do now. It's about that time. It's It's everybody's favorite segment for. Watch twenty twenty one. DeAndre Ayton, he was jamming tonight, my friend. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, the boards were we really needed him, of course. That's just his thing now. 16 of them was great, 15 points. Uh, he had a really good first quarter, too, with 12 points. He came out strong, man. I think that he he wasn't really asking for the ball down low, which was fine. It, it was just basically him trying to handle both those knuckleheads down low, especially with Frank <laughs> Kaminsky with the help he was getting from him, but you can only get so much help from Frank Kaminsky. Just DA was solid tonight. And I love like his interview after the game. I can, I didn't get to finish it, but he's just so playful and fun. I need to hear more ear- interviews with him. Cause every time he's on the, the screen or anything that has to do with the Suns and him, I love it, dude. He's just, He's very, very sweet, a big sweetheart. I feel like that he is. And I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that's what I always hear when people first meet him. Like he's the nicest guy ever, but the way he played tonight was very aggressive. I felt like I, I mean, on the offensive end, maybe not as much, but we should have maybe counted those dunks for tonight instead of what was it last night. Cause I think yeah. how many dunks did he have tonight? Was it like two or three? I felt like it was three or four. I mean, there was, okay. Devin Booker was feeding him the way that he should be fed. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker is throwing the ball up at the certain area, just shy of the backboard, and DA goes up and puts it in. And I feel like I wish Chris Paul would do that a little bit more. I wish that he would open the uh, Aiton up a little bit. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, feeding the ball to Aiton's a task because you don't know if DA is always going to uh, bring the ball down. But he had a great game tonight, especially, like you said, dealing with those two knuckleheads. He had to go up against – you know, both size and girth in Drummond and, <laughs> and uh, Jared Allen, you know, I mean, uh, the, trying to defend the Afro alone is tough and yeah. having the ability to go down and, and hold his own. And, you know, knowing that Frank Kaminsky, even though, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, how he does a really good job as of late playing the four and playing below the key, he's not necessarily there on the defensive end to get all the boards. That's that's D.A.'s job. And that's what DA did tonight. Like you said, yeah, had a total of 16 rebounds. The key for him, eight of them were on the offensive side. Eight. I know. That one was absolutely huge. As Mook Allen says in the chat, I had no frustrations with Aiton tonight. This was a nope. great game uh, for DeAndre Aiton. Mario Lopez says it as well. Uh, I'll even give Monte 1289 a shout out. His balls hang low tonight. I mean, Dude, he, I- had, he, he was a man amongst <laughs> men tonight. Kudos to you, DeAndre, and I hope you're watching the show. Yeah, he out offensive rebound both those guys. Uh, Drummond had five, Allen had two, so seven is less than eight. So he out offensive rebound both of them. And it was a lot of tips, too. A lot of times where he was just tipping the ball out there where they even had another chance at it, and they just, you know, they kind of missed it. So it's just great, you know. He's he's basically just becoming more active. When he knows what the task is at hand, he'll go into the game and just basically be like, you know what, I got to have, I have to be that guy in the paint to handle things. And he did tonight. He he definitely, even if he scored zero points tonight and missed an alley-oop dunk or twice or two of them, I wouldn't, I'd be fine because we just needed him down low really. And he, he excelled tonight. I really think so. 
really I'm did. Fucking and, really weird. And as Nathaniel <laughs> says in the chat, uh, only one turnover. His hands were good tonight, and that's what you like to see, yeah. especially after a game against Austin where he kept bringing the ball down and he kept getting swatted away. And he had, I think, five turnovers yesterday against the Celtics. Uh, it's nice to see DeAndre Ayton provide that kind of presence down low. Uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate when he's aggressive, Aiton, and he was on both ends of the floor. And again, I didn't see the whole game, but from what I saw, uh, fantastic performance by DeAndre Aiton makes me smile from ear to ear. Even though I'm I'm drinking a truly sh- strawberry lemonade, this is that's fine. Is that worse than a white claw? Or white? Ooh, it's a lot. It's a lot more sugary. Oh yeah, see, you're gonna have a headache tonight. Oh man, no, I'm gonna go right to the whiskey after this because I'm a man. I'm a man, dude. (laughs) Uh, A couple people mentioned the chat, and I thought it was worth bringing up. As Noah says, Etwan played great tonight. You know, Etwan was the guy who got the nod with Chris Paul being out. There was some pregame talk amongst Suns Twitter whether it should be Etwan, whether it should be Javon Carter. You know, knowing that you have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Javon Carter could be somebody who's pesky enough to to provide some defensive presence on them. But it looked like Monty said, I want somebody who can play make and push the ball. And so he went with Etwan Moore. Uh, What did you think of him tonight? Oh, he had like a sneaky 17 points. You know, I love to see him on the court. He did. Uh, Honestly, I think I only saw him score twice that I remember. And that's weird to say because he had 17 points. But I mean, he's that's he kind of worked his way up to this. It's kind of like it worked in Sun's favor where maybe they knew they had this back to back. So they're like, we're going to rest Chris Paul. So we need someone to step up. Let's let's start giving each one more and more minutes. And he just continued to like find himself in the offense. He he's a great guy to trust with the ball in his hands. And he continues to be that guy. And Javon Carter, I mean, you can't start him. I mean, if I was a head coach, I would start him 40 minutes because I love the guy for some reason. But for him, for Javon to come in later in the game to play just good defense when we need it. Him and Galloway, you know, you have Galloway for the offensive end, who's also a sneaky rebounder. Galloway, you gotta look out for that because he can get those rebounds. He'll be in there. And then you have Javon Carter on the defensive end helping out when we need it to the best of his ability. Um, that's great to have off the bench too as well. So it, I'm glad Etwan worked his way up to the starting lineup. I mean, what did you think, dude? What, it was a sneaky 17 points, right? Yeah, when I looked at the final box score, I didn't realize it, but then you realize it was efficient. It was on 7 to 10 yeah. shooting. He picked and chose his spots. He did a, a great job of getting to the rim. Wasn't somebody who was chucking up necessarily – um, a ton of bad shots, obviously, with the seven to ten stat line, uh, but only shot the one three pointer and made it. I mean, that's what you want to see from a guy who's being bring, being brought in to facilitate an offense uh, is to be efficient and be effective. I mean, overall as a team, you look at some of the, the team stats. I mean, the, the Suns shot fifty two percent from the field in this game. Fifty two percent. They shot forty five percent from downtown. Only shot twenty four threes. And we've obviously that is a credit to the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't necessarily what you would call an elite defense. I wouldn't call them a good defense. I would call them a less than average defense. And they allow the Suns a lot of really good looks, but the Suns also took advantage of those looks. What I love about this game is the Suns didn't fall in love with the three ball because guess what? The three ball was there a plenty tonight. And it could have been one of those games where they decided, you know what? We're shooting 40 of these fuckers tonight. They only shot 24, 11 for 24. That's what I like to see. That means that the majority of their shots are coming at the rim or in the mid-range where we are an effective team. And you, you couple with that the fact that as a team, they only had 10 turnovers, so they were uh, holding on to the ball. They had 60 of their total points in the paint. So uh, that's how you want this team to win. That's how this team's effective. We, we aren't the Houston Rockets of old where we can hit a gazillion threes, and we don't want to be the Houston Rockets of old. Uh, because we can't hit a million threes because guess what? It never worked out for Houston either. And I think that early on and when we had some of those losses that when the Suns start to fall in love with the three ball, we start to lose some games. I mean, how many we, we were we were eight and eight at one point in the season. Right. So we were six mm-hmm. and one in our last seven games. Like, let's fucking go, Suns. Yeah, that's how you do it. And basically, the way the Suns started the season was it was either all or nothing from three. But then you learn that these other these guys have different abilities on the court. I mean, they they are just improving off of each other, finding ways to score in other ways, and just you know dishing it out when they can when they're driving to the hoop. I like I love to see that. Just moving the ball around, they're doing that a lot more. Even with Point Book, 
even though Book didn't really have the assists, but you can tell he's getting his teammates involved. 36 points, though, doesn't really show like him being a ball hog in this game, like Kobe Bryant maybe used to be, because I yeah. just think that the team itself still had great game. Like all of them had a great game together and individually as well. Even if the stats aren't there for all of them, like even Jones was in there tipping the ball once. Like he had two really good tips. That's why I love Jones. He comes and gives you like two good tips on the defensive end or offensive end to try to get yeah. the ball alive. You know, even that's awesome. Even I love that so much. And I say that every pod, even if the Suns lose, even though they haven't really lost lately, but he, he does do that. So the, to the best of their ability, even if the three is not falling, the Suns are finding other ways to score. And they, they are the monsters of the mid range, John. Absolutely. I mean, that's this team right now. It's where they're effective. It feels like it's going in almost every time. And if they continue to attack the, the opposition in a man, that manner, we're going to continue to see wins. Now, granted, there's the competition's going to get tough starting on Wednesday, and we'll talk about that momentarily as Giannis and the Bucks come to town. But these are games you're supposed to win. And it's nice to sit on a podcast after a game and talk about how the Suns handled business against a team they were supposed to beat. This isn't New Orleans last week where we lost that game. This isn't Detroit earlier in the season and Washington early in the season where we should have won those games, and unfortunately we fell in love with a three ball and lost. This is a team you're supposed to beat. Now, granted, knowing that the Suns were unbelievably undermanned, I wouldn't have been thoroughly upset if they had lost because sometimes it just happens that way. Like I said earlier, if you told me Etwan Moore and Frank Kaminsky were start two of the starting five tonight, and you told me we would have won the game a month ago, I, I thought you were crazy. I'm like, are you, what happened? What, were we playing the Calves? And then you yeah, you would have probably yes. punched me in the face, right? Uh, I would have, but I, not really. I'm not that kind of a guy, okay? Oh, I would okay. I would just verbally lash you on Twitter, just uh, like the rest of Sun's Twitter does. We're really good at talking shit on Twitter, and then when we see each other in real life, yeah. we, we smile, wave, and give a, an air high five. So. We realize we're just torsos, and that's basically well, it. Yeah, we both have no legs. You don't want to punch a torso. So, so I think it's time for the... <laughs> Jam star of the game. So if you're watching along in the chat, please let us know who you think your jam star of the game is. And I guess this is a good time to remind everybody who is watching and or listening to subscribe to the podcast. Smash that thumbs button or that thumbs up button below. If you're watching, it helps with algorithms and lets other Suns fans know where to come to get the fun Phoenix Suns content after games. And if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please subscribe rate and review uh so matthew i think this is another one of those easy answers we could probably debate a little bit but who is your jam star of the game i'm gonna give it to booker um just with a nod to ayton though because he he was exhausted played exhausting minutes tonight down low i have to tip my hat to that so but devin booker for sure right uh yeah um i think it's kind of across the board booker baby d book of course d book D book book uh, Monte book, kind of an easy book, one book. Booker Booker the Kaminsky ejection <laughs> oh that was awesome yeah <laughs> yeah I mean see, seeing Devin Booker score thirty six yeah. points on a game without Chris Paul just shows you how great this team really is as as Jay Pizel says in the in the chat book it man I mean he had a great game he's supposed to step up in these games he wasn't hiding he did that he was clutch at the beginning of the game he was clutch at the end of the game he's the reason the suns are now 14 and 9 so the jam star of the game for both of us and the majority of the jamsters all is our buddy Devin Booker mm-hmm. um next up on Wednesday night we have the Milwaukee Bucks a team that is uh I mean, favorite uh, by many sports writers to potentially go to the NBA Finals. Currently the number two seed in the Eastern Conference at 16-8. and eight. Matthew, what are your thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, I mean, my thoughts basically are they don't – they're not really the team to worry about in the playoffs. But right now in the season, during the regular season, which we are in right now, that the Suns correct. just need to worry about that. <laughs> 
verifying it. <laughs> this yes, is, this is the team you have to worry about because they honestly, they're hard to stop. I mean, they just beat the Denver Nuggets tonight almost handily with Jokic going off too as well. But Chris Middleton, really, he's the guy that's really improved this team. I really thought and hoped that Giannis would maybe force a trade out of Milwaukee um, just because I wanted the Suns maybe to hopefully trade for him. But that didn't happen because this team is just playing the best. They're the second team right now in the East. But they they – they are the best offensively everywhere. Stats across the board, of course, but a lot of it is Chris Middleton. He took his his game to the next level to where he's not underrated anymore, but people are actually putting him at a perfect rating because he is probably going to be an all-star. He's going to be appreciated this year. So that's what they needed this year, and maybe hopefully it continues into the offseason, or I'm sorry, to the postseason for the Bucks. But for the Suns, I don't even know. Hopefully this is like, hopefully we can have a little bit of depth back by the time they play. I know Drew Holiday might be out, maybe for the Bucks, but for the Suns, hopefully we can get some guys back to help out with this game because it's going to be a pain and it's going to be a punishment if we don't have a little bit of help off the bench. Agreed. I mean, I'm, I really hope that the Suns return some of the starters back. I honestly think that Chris Paul, you know, the hamstring soreness, today kind of felt like a rest day. I think this is a, you played yesterday, yeah. a tough game against the Celtics. You're playing a, a shitty or a less than better, a less than average uh, Cavaliers team. Perhaps this will be the game to take off and hoping that he can come and he can play on uh, Wednesday night against the Bucks. Now you look at the Bucks and they are a scary team. They're currently number two in the league in overall points. They're second in the league in rebounds. They're third in the league in assists. They're third in the league in three point percentage. They're second in the league in field goal percentage. They're, uh, 10th in the league in offensive rebound. I mean, it's ninth in the league in steals. I mean, across the board, this is, this is a good (laughs) basketball team that's coming to town and it's going to be a challenge in trying to defeat them. Obviously, uh, I don't know what to think yet. I, I really, I, I hope for the best for the Phoenix Suns, uh, but this might be one where, you know, as Nathaniel Dar says, like we need Chris Paul in this game if we have any shot. We need to have uh, our uh, our big men back. We need to have our front line intact. We need to see uh, Dario Saric again if we want to win this game. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely do. Um, but I mean, if not, there's maybe some ways to beat them. I don't know. But the only thing that I'm really worried about is that they already got this win against the Cavs much needed because we're placing, we're playing the bucks, maybe short. Exactly. So a much needed win, man. It's, it's, if we go in and we put up a good fight and take the loss and it feels a little bit better because of tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So let's do our jam session predicts for the next game. Uh, we'll review our picks for this past game. Uh, we said over under, 215 overall points, 215.5. Uh, Matthew took the under. I took the over. Suns win one six or 119 to 113. If my math is correct, that's 232. So I hit that one. Yeah. Uh, blocks. Who would have more blocks in the game between Andre Drummond and our boy DeAndre Ayton? Andre Drummond had two. DeAndre Ayton had three, Matthew. Wow. We were both wrong. Again. We both picked Drummond on that one. But you know what? We asked who wins, the Suns or the Cavs. Yeah. And we both got that one right. So uh, that brings our overall season record to both five and three in trying to call Phoenix Suns games because uh, we started this eight games ago, it appears. Um, so let's take a look at our next game against the Bucks. Uh, who's going to have more points, Middleton or Booker? You know, you said um, Drew Holiday is going to be out. Middleton. I'm going to say Middleton. You're going to say Middleton on that one? Why? Uh, because he's a good scorer. And Booker already had a really good night tonight. And if we have Paul back, it wouldn't be the same game for Booker. True. Very true. Uh, I think that, like I was about to say, Drew Holiday's out. Giannis is going to give you what he gives you, but they're going to need that secondary score if they yeah. want to win. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, the Bucks are a balanced team, man. You look at that roster and you look at where they get their points. Obviously, you have Giannis leads the way with 27, but then Middleton's got 20. Uh, Bobby Portis is their fourth leading scorer with 11. Brooke Lopez gives them 10. Uh, they got those annoying guys like DJ Augustine, Augustine, Pat Connington, Dante DiVincenzo. These are a bunch of guys who can easily win our Jack Taylor award for the guy who you don't know who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. I could definitely see that happening, <laughs> happening. But uh, as Luis says in the chat, this, the Suns are more balanced offensively. And I think because of their balance, 
Booker will have a balanced game, especially if Paul's back, and Middleton will end up scoring more points. So I agree with you yeah. on that. Oh, uh, how about overall fouls for DeAndre Ayton? Over or under 30 or 3.5? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say under because he wasn't foul trouble kind of tonight. He had a little bit of a hard time, but not too bad. I mean, it wasn't like the beginning of the season. So I'm gonna say under because he usually learns from it and he'll go into the next game and just be I mean, what are you gonna do against Giannis and uh, against those big guys really down low? Like there's not too much. So I don't think he's gonna force the issue too much to where he draws fouls because it's gonna happen if he tries too hard to maybe prevent them. If they're already in the paint under the basket, there's nothing really else you can do. Just let them lay it in or whatever. Otherwise, it's gonna be an and one. Those guys are strong, honest is strong. Don't make it worse than it has to be. So I think he ends up with two this game. So what do you think? How do you how would you describe Giannis? Is he power or finesse? Oh, Good question. You know, that is a really good question because he is more finesse for me, but when he does dunk it, it looks freaking great because he can throw it down like the rest of them, but he's trying to be more finesse. And I think he has a good jump hook that he can, he can kind of intertwine to his game if he works on it. But I, I think of him as a finesse player. What about you? Well, the, the reason I ask, I think he's more finesse than he is power as well. Yeah. But I think the reason I ask is because if Frank is starting, he's the one who draws the assignment because uh, what's his name? DeAndre Ayton. He's gonna he's gonna draw Brooke Lopez. I mean, that's yeah. the five. So, starting with that kind of thought process, if he's finesse, he can get by Frank Kaminsky. I know Ayton, and Ayton doesn't won't he he won't leave his man. I mean, that's almost to a fault sometimes. He he will keep a hand on whoever his yeah. guy is, and if it's Brooke Lopez and he's hanging out by the three point line or he's at the elbow, he's not gonna leave him. So, even though a lot of the Jamsters are given the the over. Uh, we've got over, uh, we've got, um, but he won't foul out, uh, is what some people are saying. So, uh, Mario Lopez says over as well. I'm going to, I'm going to ride with you. I think it's going to be under three and a half fouls. I think he'll okay. end with like three fouls in this game because I don't think that, you know, Brooke Lopez is going to put him in the situations that are going to make him foul. And I think that especially if we can get Sarich back or, or, or sticks, get some minutes or somebody can. <sighs> Put some minutes out there that can get a couple of those fouls so DeAndre doesn't. I think it'll be beneficial for him and for the team overall. I think so too, yeah. And you bring up sticks. I wish we could have saw him maybe tonight, but maybe this is just a game that we thought we had in hand and we didn't want to lose control too much and keep it close the rest of the game. So I guess he can't afford minutes to him. But anyways, that we'll save that for another time, I guess. Yeah. All right, last question, the one that counts. Who wins, Suns or Bucks? Um, dude, I'm going to say Suns. I'm going to say Suns win. Okay. And why? Okay. Because basically if I say they lose and the Suns do win, it just would look terrible next, next game because it's a, it's a great matchup with against us against the Bucks. And I really want the Suns to pull this one off just because 15 and nine looks so good. And in the four game win streak, it looks so nice. So, I mean, the Suns are confident against anybody. So playing to the level of the competition, John brings that up all the time. That's what they'll do. So if they can pull it off, it's going to be close, but I think they're going to, I think they're going to pull it off. Okay. Okay. And valid reasons why as well. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say the Bucks win this game. Oh, I think so that our record's going to be different then. Our record will be different following this game. Uh, yeah. because we, again, we are both five and three currently. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I just think that they're a deep team. They're a team that is relentless and comes at you multiple ways. I feel like the Suns are still going to have guys out, unfortunately, and that's going to essentially cost us our depth. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, obviously, yeah. but I think that this is one of those games that the Suns don't pull out the dub. Um, uh, they lose by three or four points. It will be close, but I think that the finishing power of Giannis, the free throw line, whenever we play the Bucks, I feel like the refs are always uber involved in it and don't know how to call Giannis because he's a hard guy to call, and they give him the benefit of the doubt. I feel, I feel like Frank Kaminsky is going to be in a lot of foul trouble, and I think that Damon Jones is going to have to fill some of those minutes, and he will be in foul trouble as well. So as much as it pains me to say, uh, Bucks will win that game. All right, man. I feel like a bad Suns fan whenever I go against the Suns. Nah, it's fine. I mean, it's the season you're going to lose. We're gonna, Suns are probably going to lose 20 to 25 games a season, right? So they have to lose some of them. <laughs> yeah, and the Bucks are one of those teams where we could lose. Although, I mean, they did beat them last March 8th with you in attendance. So Yeah, me and my mama. Yep. Yeah, you and your mama. Back before the pandemic started, the last home game, last you were there, game. and they played them well. So hopefully we see that. That's what I'm hoping. So Yeah, and hopefully there's not a lot of Bucks fans there with the with the 20 people that are at the games. Hopefully it's like not half and half, you know? 
Yeah, I was thinking about that today. Did you hear them chanting MVP when Booker was shooting free throws yes. and, bricked, and then he bricked one? Yes, I love those chants are back. But do you think that the players are going to take a little bit of getting used to? Because there was a one point when uh, JaVale McGee got tossed. You could hear on the broadcast, it was like, yeah, like no, you, you, you can hear it in the background. Yeah. I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah, the fans could talk back and forth from one section to the other, basically, you know, with no one there. So, they, I mean, I guess they got to watch out for that stuff, but that's all in good fun, I think, right? Yeah, it's it's all in good fun, I hope, you know. But uh, <laughs> I think that does it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, I did finish Mad Men today. I'm finally done with that. Uh, so it's funny how... I think was it you? Was it you who was saying that to me yesterday when we were watching the Super Bowl, or maybe it was Shannon later? She's like whatever. Yeah, I yep. drink whatever I'm watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like when I'm watching Cobra Kai, I drink Coors Banquet beer, and then mm-hmm. I'm I'm going through seven seasons of Mad Men. I start pounding old fashions. <laughs> It's like I got to figure out another show uh, and so I can have something different to drink. I'm like, I just like to drink along with the characters, I guess. Oh, man. What's a, what's a, what's a show? Oh, Breaking Bad. You can start doing meth. Oh, yeah. I already went through that stage of my life. Oh, I, lost okay, 10, yeah. I lost 25 pounds. I didn't know where I oh, was. Okay. So. <laughs> Over that one. Over that one. <laughs> All oh, right, wow. man. I don't have well, anything else, really. I mean, this was a fun, fun freaking game, dude. I'm glad we got to pod tonight. You know, your travels, your... I mean, you had to put your bath on hold. You know, you put oh, the bubbles shit. in. It's probably overrunning. Yeah, hopefully you turn the water off for you and Shannon for after to get in. Um, so you have fun with that tonight, John. Uh, I'm going to go outside <laughs> in Sedona and look up at the night sky and just appreciate the fact that I can see stars because all yes. I watch the stars on the screen tonight with Devin Booker. I'm going to look up to the stars tonight and enjoy them. Uh, it's, it's awesome having the ability to do a podcast uh, in another city and far, far away from you. Uh, but you know what? It's probably, I should, I should get back to my vacation now. You should. Yeah. Enjoy yourself, John and everyone enjoy yourself too. All I the like jamsters. Alan Bruce says in the chat, he's like, I need to watch Hawaii five and start drinking Mai Tais. I'm okay there with you that. Go. I got do some it. rum at home. I can do that. If you can stay on the show, do it. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. If you are watching along live on YouTube, remember to subscribe. Remember to give us those thumbs up buttons. Uh, If you're listening on the Brightside Podcast Network, please subscribe, rate, review, follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can email us, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. Perhaps you have a mailbag question and you want to... Ask us, ask us, you know, something. Uh, I, I did see somebody mention the chat, the chat earlier, start throwing out some power forward trades for the Suns. Mm. Uh, I need to do a little research on that before Me I too. answer that question, but that's a very good question. I think that was Chris in the chat. So kudos to that. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit on the next podcast, especially because we're going against one of the most elite power forwards in the entire league. We got to talk about how we can bring him on to the Suns. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. Cheers, Suns fans. Another great win, 14-9. and We'll see you on Wednesday. All right. Everyone go home and love your family. Amen. Take care, everybody.